Daniel 9.27. I'm going to pick it up in verse 26 to set the context. Then after the 62 weeks, the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing. And the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary, and its end will come with a flood. Even to the end there will be war. Desolations are determined. And he will make a firm covenant with the many for one week. But in the middle of the week he will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offering. And on the wing of abominations will come one who makes desolate, even until a complete destruction, one that is decreed, is poured out on the one who makes desolate. Doesn't get any easier, does it? I mean, <laughs> I mean it's just the way the words come out, just going. Uh-huh, uh-huh. What that's what's that saying down there is <clears throat> the one who's going to make things, <clears throat> excuse me, desolate is the Antichrist. But there's another one coming that's going to make him desolate, and that's Messiah Jesus when he comes back. Okay, that's what that little word salad is saying. Okay, that's that's what it's saying. <clears throat> I hope that clarifies it a little bit more. But if you read it, you got to read it, read it slow, and, and you can see, okay, all right, now I see that. Now I see it. Okay. Now, we're, um, <clears throat> again, I'm just going to review very quickly. Uh, the 70th week is, the, is, in fact, what we know of as the seven-year tribulation period. And also, there's a gap of time between week 69 and 70, or between verse 26 and 27. Um, <clears throat> now, within that gap, we have such important events as the crucifixion, death, burial, resurrection, the ascension of Jesus Christ back into heaven, and then where we are right now, in the church age. The church age, as I think we're all well aware of, it began on the day of Pentecost. Anybody not get that, understand that one? It begins on the day of Pentecost when the uh, <clears throat> coming of the Holy Spirit and they came pouring out of the upper room and literally turned the world upside down and it hasn't been the same since. Okay, And the gospel began going forth. And then it's going to end with the rapture of the church. And we can read about that in 1 Thessalonians 4.13. Now that will be what we look at next week. The, the rapture itself. Is it pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, post-tribulation? Yes. Is, is it something non-existent? Something we kind of like the uh, millennium that people spiritualize? We'll see. We'll look into that next week. But I don't state opinions here. All right, now. And then the judgments within the tribulation period are described in Revelation 6 through 20, verse 2. And we, may, we, we might actually go through that as well. Now, but I'm going to take it in, in order of events. Rapture, tribulation, millennium, new heaven, new earth. So that's what's next on our study of prophecy. Now, the Antichrist and his kingdom, we, saw that, we already saw that last time, the he... Um, refers to the prince of the people who are to come to destroy the city. Um, <clears throat> the he is the little horn, all right? And uh, we saw that in Daniel 7. He is the king or the leader of the restored Roman confederacy. And we've already seen, uh, 
two or three or four times now the fact that when the in chapter two the, the vision of Daniel's the, the statue that Nebuchadnezzar had in his dream and also the four beasts that were laid out in Daniel 7 we always notice that when you get to that fourth beast that fourth critter it's different and it always seems to be spoken of in in two pieces as opposed to the others that are just one okay now he will exercise great power but that great power will be shortly we kind of left off here and then we'll go into about making a firm come let's let's pick it up now in revelation chapter 13 revelation chapter 13 Revelation 13, 1 through 5. Now here, just to set a little bit of context here in Revelation, beginning in chapter 12, uh, it talks about this great sign appearing in heaven, a woman clothed in the sun. Chapter 12 and 13 now are, are introducing us to various characters that are within and discussed within the book of Revelation. All right, it's kind of like a cast of characters if you looked at it as a movie. Um, <clears throat> so you get to 13 now, we're going to be introduced to the Antichrist. And he stood on the sand of the seashore, and I saw a beast coming up out of the sea, having ten horns and seven heads, and on his horns were ten diadems. Now diadem is the, like the crown of a king. And on his head were blasphemous names. And the beast which I saw was like a leopard, and his feet were like a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. Does that ring a bell at all? Does that ring a bell? Remember Daniel 7? Daniel 7, the, and the dragon, and we know that from, if we did a study of Revelation in chapter 12, the dragon is identified as Satan. And the dragon gave him his power and his throne and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been slain, and his fatal wound was healed. And the whole earth was amazed and followed after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon because he gave his authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast who is able to wage war with him? And there was given to him mouth speaking arrogant words and blasphemy. Did that ring a bell also? Remember the little horn with the big mouth? <laughs> there he is. Okay, here he is again. And there was given to him a mouth speaking arrogant words and blasphemies and authority to act for 42 months was given to him. 42 months. That equals three and a half years. Or 1,260 days. Using the Jewish calendar. Okay, and then you read from verse 6 through 10, and it talks about what we often, well, I'll just read it. And he opened his mouth and blasphemed against God to blaspheme his name in his tabernacle, that is, those who dwell in heaven. And it was given to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them, and authority over every tribe and people and tongue and nation was given to, given to him. 
and all who dwell on the earth and will worship him whose name is not written in the interesting point here all who dwell on the earth will worship him now it's going to identify those who will worship him everyone whose name has not been written from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the lamb who has been slain What did, in Ephesians 1, what was Paul praising God for? For He started off by choosing us before the foundation of the world. Scripture is so consistent. So consistent. And verse 9, if anyone has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is destined for captivity, to captivity he goes. If anyone kills with the sword, with the sword he must be killed. Here is the perseverance in the faith of the saints. Perseverance, that that's, sounds a little bit like uh, Romans right there. Now, in verse 11, And I saw another beast. This is the one we often call the false uh, prophet. Some call him false prophet. And I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like the lamb, and he spoke as a dragon. Kind of tells you where he gets his power. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence. And he makes the earth and, all, and those who dwell on it worship the first beast whose fatal wound was healed. And he performs great signs so that, even, so that he even makes fire come down out of heaven to the, to the earth in the presence of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth because of the signs which... It was given to him to perform in the presence of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who had the wound of the sword and had come to life. And then he's going to make this beast, the statue seem to come alive. And, um, well, verse 16, And he causes all the smart and the great and the rich and the poor and the free and the slaves to be given a mark on their right hand and their forehead, and he provides that no one should be able to buy or sell except that the one who has the mark either in the name of the beast or the number of his name. And here is wisdom. Let him, who let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for the number is that of a man, and his number is 666. Can I ask a question? Okay. Mm-hmm. So God's permitting it. Yes, you got it. Yeah, God. God permits it. That's actually even part of the plan. You know, I compare these guys to, and the the so-called miraculous stuff that they are performing. Remember the, uh, remember Egypt, Pharaoh. Yes. Remember the priests of, of Pharaoh. Remember how they were. You know, when they threw down Moses threw down the stick, became a snake. They threw down theirs, it became a snake. You know. It's almost like it's like God says, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll play for a minute. I'll let you go for a while. And then God allows that throughout. We know it's happened in the past. He did it with the, we did it with the priests in Egypt because it proves God's point. God's making a point. Um, <clears throat> God's in charge is the point. I mean, you, they threw there. They turned the snakes. <clears throat> Moses did the same. Moses' snake ate theirs, though, right? Okay, so 
we got the better snakes. Now, but <laughs> but it, it all it, it's all to prove it, it just shows that God's in charge. No matter what men can pull off and what they can do, God is the ultimate authority. And if it's going on, it's because God's allowing it to go on. As a matter of fact, I'll go one step further. It's because it's it, they're playing into God's hands. It's God's got it. God's got this whole thing under control. Don't sweat it. I know there's an election coming up Tuesday. Don't sweat it. Actually, what we do, we get the popcorn out. Hey, who's, you know, anyway. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we hope it's something. That's, anyway. Anyhow, uh, I digress. So, he's, the Antichrist is going gonna, is gonna to allow to run rampant for a while. And um, he's going to run roughshod over all believers. Believers will be persecuted, no question about it. He's going to persecute Israel, and when we get into that more, we're going to find out that actually the gospel is coming primarily through the Jews. They've got it. They've got the gospel, and they're going to finally take it and deliver it to the world like they didn't do when they had their, you know, when they were living in Jerusalem in the Old Testament times. Okay, Daniel 11. Go back, Daniel eleven. One thing, Bob. Yeah. When we read, <clears throat> excuse me. When we read these things, and if we focus on what the Lord is allowing, we forget that God is sovereign and He is over all. So, no matter what happens, <clears throat> God is in control. Yes. And you know, I that triggered something in my brain which is a pretty good thing uh, a guy that reminded me what a real wise man once said concerning we as parents and grandparents concerned about our kids and our grandkids and you hear people all the time say man I would not bring children to this world look what's going on well the wise man said this, hey, he's in charge then too, and no matter what age, he's always had his hand on his people. And if they're born into an age of out-and-out persecution, God has brought them into that age, and God will see them through that age. So we don't need to fret, we don't need to fuss, we just need to pray that the Lord's will be done in their life. And don't worry about them in that sense. Easy to say to a parent, grandparent, me being one. But you do anyway, but try to <laughs> balance that worry off with what uh, Les was saying. God's in control. He's got this thing under control. No matter what it might look like to us, he's got it. He's got it. Okay. Daniel eleven thirty six to 45 <coughs> <clears throat> in verse 36 of Daniel 11 the, the subject turns from talking about a fella in history called Antiochus Epiphanes and it, switched, it swings over as much of prophecy does prophecy sometimes opens up like you know the old fashioned telescopes where you kind of just kind of kind of opens up prophecy does it you're talking about one thing and it just kind of opens up and moves down the road on you this is one of those passages where you get to verse 35 and 36, it changes, and the, the 
the person in, spoken of here is our that wonderful fellow we call the Antichrist. Verse 30 says, And the king will do as he pleases. He will exalt and magnify himself above every god and will speak monstrous things against the god of gods. And he will prosper and he will, and until the indignation is finished for that which is uh, decreed will be done. Just like back in Daniel 9. His day is coming. It's short-lived. He's not going to do this forever. As a matter of fact, the big persecution he's going to do is only going to last three and a half years. It's only going to last three and a half years anyway. And he will show no regard for the gods of his fathers or for the desire of women, nor will he show, show regard for any other god, for he will make himself above all of them. Hey, he doesn't, even want, he doesn't even talk about the pagan gods. He's God. I mean, he's, he's kind of like you know, beyond you know, emperor worship. <laughs> you know, Caesar even had a, you know, they were a polytheistic system with him on the top of it. This guy, I have no regard for anything but me. Okay, and that's where this guy is coming from, this Antichrist. Verse 38, but instead, of, but instead he will honor a god of fortress, a god whom his fathers did not know. He will honor him with gold, silver, costly stones, and treasure. In other words, power, just military might, military force, and that's where he's pouring his resources into military power. And he will take action against the strongest of fortresses with the help of a, of a foreign god. He will give great honor to those who acknowledge him, and he will cause them to rule over the many and will parcel out land for a price. Okay, here, it's going to cut deals with other nations to come on in with me, let's go. And then just set up a, and that ties in with him having, you know, seven heads, crowns, horns, because he's going to, it's going to be that end time army of here, or actually uh, empire here is going to be a ten nation confederacy. And it's interesting how that works out. He's actually going to eliminate a few on the way up, but that's a subject for another time. And verse forty, and at the end, and at the end, and at the end time, the king of the south will collide with with the king of the north. Will storm against him with chariots and horsemen, and it's just going to go on and on and on and on. The next thing you know, we're in Armageddon. And then verse forty-five. I'll get verse forty-four. I'm going to start at verse forty-four. But rumors from the east and from the north will disturb him, and he will go forth with great wrath to destroy and annihilate many. And he will pitch the tents of his royal pavilion between the seas and the beautiful holy mountain, yet he will come to his end, and no one will help him. You can see the, that's kind of like, as we get more information as we move through prophetic scripture, we're all familiar with the term Armageddon. That's where these things are heading, the nations join up to do great battle, and then the Lord comes, and they foolishly think they're going to make war with him as he comes out of heaven. So verses 40 through 45 is Armageddon. Is Armageddon. They're heading that way. Heading towards. No, I, yeah, it's not Armageddon. They're moving that direction. <laughs> they're moving that direction. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> now. And back in nine, Daniel 9.24... It says, um, he will make a firm covenant with the many, and the many refers to the Jewish people. The Jewish people have already established in in verse in nine twenty four 
Remember, 70 weeks have been determined for you, for your people and your holy city. Okay, the context, Angel Gabriel speaking to Daniel. Daniel's people are the Jewish people. And your holy city can be none other but Jerusalem itself. Okay? I mean, that's just, the context really doesn't lend it to anything else. And so we, we go from there, and this is an unholy alliance with a godless ruler who will violate the agreement. So he's going to go and make nice with Israel, and it's going to look great and all that, and, and it's going to be like, it says, it, it's, I think it's giving us the perspective that we have, we're looking at this as the, a seven-year period, and I don't know if it's going to be written on the paper, I'm going to make an alliance with you for seven years, and then it's over. It's just not saying it to, like from that perspective. It's saying it from us, the reader, that in this seven-year period, he's going to make an alliance that's supposed to last, right? But three and a half years in, he's going to break it. He's going to break the alliance. That's the point. He's going to break the alliance. He's going to break it. And once again, he's going to do what liars do. They lie to people. They fool people. They take advantage of people, especially in a time as we're going to see hopefully a little later on this morning, that this is a time that people are just wanting peace so bad because there's war all over the place. They're wanting peace so bad, much like today, that they're willing to cut deals with anybody. Just, I mean, people use the term, I would make a deal with the devil himself. I mean, how often have we heard that? Well, they did. <laughs> okay, and... It worked out like you might expect a deal with the devil would work out. Okay, he went back on it, you know, just like the devil. There was a liar from a murderer and a liar from the beginning. You're going to get dealt the same way. Now, in the middle of the week, the latter half of the tribulation period is referred to now as the great tribulation. We've already seen that. What I'd like to do in our last, say, 15, 20 minutes, I don't want to go too far and cut into the next guy's time. So, he might not like you. <clears throat> he'll never forgive me. We, we talked about this last time. This is also a time in Je- Jeremiah 30. It's called the time of Jacob's distress or Jacob's trouble. Um, looking forward to this. And we already talked about the one who's going to will be destroyed. I want to now look at Matthew chapter 24 and just in there today. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 24, and just get a flow. See if you can get a flow. And this will kind of help introduce what we're going to look at next time about the rapture, the tribulation, and how we place that in the historical flow of things, okay? Now, Matthew 24, now, parallel passage to this that we you know, won't be getting into today, you could also read Mark 13 and Luke 21, okay? Not, not all the chapter, but they're in those two chapters. This is the, the biggest version of it, the longest. And Jesus came out from the temple and was going away when his disciples came to him point out the temple buildings to him. Now, the context of this is, a pro- this is Wednesday of Passion Week, okay? Okay. Uh, And he answered and said to them, Do you not see these things? 
Truly I say to you, not one stone here shall be left upon another which will, be to- which will not be torn down. It's an interesting. And then they went across now to the Mount of Olives, and as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? That's a big question. And it requires a big answer. Matthew 24 and 25 is part of that answer. And like many of Jesus' sermon I'm and teachings, I'm quite confident we don't have the whole thing. We have what we need to know to, to move on in our day and age. But I'm sure we don't. There's a lot of things in there that wish we had more. I guarantee you there's more. Remember what John said about how many books would it take to hold <laughs> everything he did and everything he said? Okay. <clears throat> now, as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came and asked him, tell us with the sign again, tell us when will these things be, which he did not give him an answer to. What will be the sign of your coming? He gave him some of those. And the end of the age, which is virtually one and the same. Anyway, now, and Jesus answered and said to them, first one, love it. See to it. That's not a small statement. See to it. Pay attention. See to it that no one misleads you. I'll tell you, in the study of prophecy, that would be the first thing I would say. See to it that nobody misleads you. Because they're out there, there's books all over the place, and there's theories and things running all over the place. And just, but here's the main reason Jesus said it. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will mislead many. And there's been thousands over the centuries. And he says, you will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened, for those things must take place. But that is not yet the end. Okay. Well, what else are we going to see? Well, look at this. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. But all these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. Just the beginning. Then, and then they will, uh, verse 9, they will, deliver you, they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you. And you will be hated by nations on account of my name. Now, didn't Jesus warn them that? I mean, in John 16, if you remember our study in John, remember that back at that uh, upper room discourse, John 16, he says this, verse 1. These things I have spoken to you that you may be kept from stumbling. Remember, now this is after he, he talked, he did this Olivet, this Olivet Discourse. This was like Wednesday. Now we're at the Last Supper, Thursday evening, right? Um, <clears throat> they, will, they will make you outcast from the synagogue, but an hour is coming for everyone who kills you to think that he is offering service to God. And these things they will do because they have not known the Father or me. But these things I have spoken to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told you of them, and these things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. And he keeps going, talking about this, and later on in this discussion 
in this discussion at the upper room, Jesus says, I'm telling you these things so you won't be surprised when they come. It won't knock you off your pins. Know that they're coming. Know that they're coming. Be ready for them. Expect them. Expect them. This is not nothing unusual. This is what's going to happen. That's what Jesus is saying right here. These things are going to happen. You know, as believers, we're going to be persecuted. What, what did Paul say to Timothy? Whoever dares, I'll paraphrase it, whoever dares live a godly life will be persecuted. Didn't say might be, he said will be. Will be. That's just part of the deal. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? Now, verse 10. And at that time, many will fall away and deliver up one another and hate one another, and many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. And because the lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. We can look at that a bit later more. But the one who endures the end, he shall be saved. That's, again, what's one of the marks of a Christian? The person... What is, Eternal security is often called the perseverance of the saints. We may get knocked down, but we're not going to get knocked out. We will preserve. When it's all said and done, we will be standing at the end. Maybe not on the earth, but in heaven. I mean, that's, what, that's Paul. I, I keep thinking of, of Paul. But in Second Timothy, the, his last letter that he wrote to anybody, what did he, he said in there that, hey, you know, I've been through a lot of things, I'm paraphrasing, I've been through a lot of things in my life, and the Lord has delivered me through them all. And he will. And this is when he's on death row. And he will deliver me through this one too, even if it's by, even if it's by taking me home. And, it's gonna, and that's how we have to look at this. If we get, you know, what's the worst thing they can do? Kill us and send us to heaven early. Right? I just don't want to suffer. Yeah, yeah, how they do it is okay, you know. But there's been some pretty gruesome there's been some pretty gruesome deaths Christians had to suffer over the centuries. Over the centuries. And I don't want to be naive and say those days are gone. Men are just as vile as they've ever been, just as capable of evil as they ever been. Matter of fact, I would say even more so. They've had a lot more practice at it. Okay, because the human nature has not mellowed at all. Human nature seems to, well, Scripture even says they're going to get, using the Old Old Testament, they, not the Old, but the King James Version, they will wax worse and worse. I remembered it from the King James. It's going to happen. That's just, that's just a matter of fact. And then look at verse 15. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, and I love this interjection that Matthew, and Mark does the same thing. He puts a little parenthesis in there. Let the reader understand. It's like saying, hey, reader. It, it's telling us a couple things. One, what, he, what Matthew wrote for us, and likewise Mark, he knows it's going out there to people beyond, I believe, that he knew that Matthew at this point, by the time he wrote this, his lifetime. And that people in the future are going to need us. Let the reader understand. Understand what you're reading about this. Again, why? Because see to it that you're not deceived. Let the reader understand, okay, that 
the middle, again, where does this happen with the desecration? It's the middle of the week. So somewhere, and it starts out here, verse 2. Here's where I'm going with this. Verse 2 of Matthew 24. Do you see these things? Speaking of the temple. I say to you, not one stone here shall be left upon another which will not be torn down. That is a direct reference to 70 AD when Titus came in, knocked down the city, and they literally tore it to pieces. You know, it's through, I think, Josephus and other historians say that the Roman soldiers, remember, that temple was beautiful. It was had all these stones, and the building was covered in gold, solid gold, I mean, gold like gold plating. They knocked this thing down, and they were, they were scraping the gold off of the, the bricks, if you will. And they went inside. They stripped. Those were golden instruments inside that they used for their sacrificial worship and so forth. They just stripped that thing bare, and they got everyone down and stripped everything off of every Anything that was worth money, they took they took a spoil. And remember, this thing, the Jewish war started around 68, 69, 70 is when it, they came in and just leveled the place, just like Jesus said they would. So what's my point? It's that from the temple being torn down in 70 AD, we can fix that point, okay? And we can fix verse 16 as the middle of the tribulation period, so here, and you look back in, in, in secular history, it fits perfectly. You look at that all that time from 70 AD, where we live right now, beyond us, right into the middle of tribulation, things are not going to change, they're not going to get all that much better. There, there's going to be ups and downs, but overall, things are going to deteriorate. They're going to get worse. And, and by the time you get to the middle of the tribulation period, this worth is, the, the, the world is imploding because on top of what man does, God's going to step into the picture and start judging. And then man's going to find out what judging's all about. Okay? So this is the thing. Why you can't really set, well, when is it going to start? When, huh, the church age that we live in, this age that we live in, in terms of what's going on, it's just going to roll right on into the tribulation period. Remember, the first half of the tribulation period, there's going to be false peace and all kinds of stuff. All yeah. oh, peace, peace. There's not going to be any peace. Maybe. And, oh, what is it? Thessalonians says they're going to be yelling peace and safety. Then, boom, here, down comes the hammer. So, I mean, it, society is going to be just as rotten as it is now. And it's just going to just keep on going, keep on going. <laughs> You're not even going to, I'm confident, you're not, we're not even, the world is not even going to know what day the tribulation period even started. Evil is going to survive. Well, what about the church leaving? Well, I got two theories about that. Once, maybe by the, when that time comes, and I see some of the churches today, maybe the fact that we've been so weak, they don't even miss us. Number two, I'd hate, I hope that's not it. The number two theory is, they can easily lie and make up a reason. They do it now, and people believe it. <laughs> I mean, look at the lies people, look at the lies they throw out that people believe today that are preposterous, but they believe them. <laughs> what about the aliens coming and taking all these people? The aliens, yeah. 
The, with the Haley Bob comment people, what are they, you know, so anyway, but, but you see how that is? And so it's just going to, just going to flow in and flow out. And but it's saying when you see the, uh, that abomination, when they, when the Antichrist goes in there and desecrates the temple, which there's obviously going to be a temple or a holy place of some sorts. And that very well could be what the Antichrist does to win over as part of the deal like, hey, let's rebuild the temple. You know? Hey, modern day construction equipment. Um, that's no that's not it's not like you gotta haul stones by hand anymore, right? Like they did back then. So that that could they could throw up something in a hurry. Um, so that's not a problem, and they're gonna have it. And it's gonna they're gonna it's gonna go and I can turn turn this page. And it keeps going. Uh, verse 22, once the Antichrist goes in there, it says, and unless, look, let me back up, verse 21. For then there will be a great tribulation, verse 21, that's, it starts at the middle of the week. The great, it, it's called the tribulation period, because there is tribulation. But when this hits, great tribulation. The world really gets thrown into turmoil. For then there will be a great tribulation such as not occurred since the beginning of the world even now nor ever shall i mean that's jesus saying what's coming at that time is greater than any atrocity you've ever seen in human history and there's been some pretty serious atrocities in human history i mean think about it i mean just think about it i mean the million the millions you know uh, six million jews the holocaust even more people with the Soviet, the rise of communism, communist China. I mean, communism has, you know, made Hitler look like a piker. I mean, the amount of the millions they've killed. And verse 22, and unless those days had, had been cut short, no life would have been saved. But, this is what I'm saying, no matter how, it gets, how bad it gets, God's in control, but for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. They will be cut short for the sake of the elect. They won't go to its full capacity where the world ends up destroying itself. Okay? So, don't sweat global warming, folks. We've caused that. Yeah. Yeah. Now, these elect are the ones that have been saved these are the elect, the saved people that are running around in the tribulation period. Because yeah, we're in the tribulation period. We're in the great tribulation period. We're the other side of the desecration. So we're, we're in that second three and a half year period someplace where Jesus is speaking now. We're in that period of time. <clears throat> then if anyone, verse 23, if anyone says to you, behold, here is the Christ. There he is. Do not believe him. I would say the same thing today. <laughs> don't, don't believe him. Don't believe it. You know. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders so as to mislead, if possible, if possible, even the elect. Behold, I have told you in advance. And if therefore they say to you, behold, he's in the wilderness, don't go forth. And he's just repeating himself now. He's making a point. And I'm going to go back to the point Matthew made. Let the reader understand. (laughs) Let the reader understand this. Readers, that's us, and that's people in our future too. Let let them understand this. 
Verse 27, why you don't, don't take any rumors, because here's why. Verse 27 says, For just as lightning comes from the east and flashes even to the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. What's he saying there? His second coming will be as obvious as a monster lightning bolt just shooting across the sky. You're not going to miss it. You're not going to miss it. Nobody's going to. When Jesus comes, the whole world's going to know it. The whole world's going to know it. They're going to know it. And then it goes on and gives us more information that we'll we can talk about later when we we get into that. But um, and we can do like just like the days of Noah and all that stuff that confuse folks. We'll see if we can't talk about it and confuse you a little bit more. But. But for now, <laughs> but for now, if, are there? I, what? I think we need to close out with John 16, that last verse, 33. Be courageous, have faith, for I have overcome the world. Amen. And on that, let's close. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time. And we pray, Lord, that you would encourage us and that we would be encouraged by your word. And Lord, May we, your people, uh, have the strength and the courage to serve you the way you would have us serve. And again, Lord, thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.